All right. Welcome back to the Marvin Chronicles. Thanks for sticking with me and listening to another episode. Today's episode will be defending why you should travel now versus before you retire. So I wanted to have a kind of a broad overview of not necessarily traveling when you're young, but just traveling when you're younger and before retirement. And I have some reasons why. But first, I wanted to mention that I'm trying to make this show a bit more professional, and because of that, I am no longer recording on top of a to-go box. I'm actually recording on top of a camera case, and this is the third attempt to record this podcast. I can tell you, I typically record them in the morning when I'm fresh, and it is here in the evening now in Bali, and I'm getting a little bit loopy. So I had to go and resort to drinking some Coke Zero. Hopefully that'll help me here and cranking up the AC. A lot of people always ask what equipment I use. And I put a link in the show notes, or I will, uh, for the equipment I use. They're Amazon um, affiliate links. If you're not familiar with affiliate links, if you click on there and you buy anything, it doesn't matter if it's actually the recorder or the microphone I use, anything else, uh, I get a referral fee back, and it doesn't cost you any more. It's just Amazon thanking me for sending them business, and for you, it's you showing uh, support to the show. So I'd appreciate that as well. Also, I'm suggesting Bluehost as a, a hosting service for your uh, WordPress website. It's very popular. It's very easy. I've used it in the past, and I've left a link in the show notes as well for that. So let's get started here. So I thought about this topic this morning as I was driving to my co-working space, Dojo, and I've been thinking about it for the past couple of days on what the next topic would be. Now, I'm just to give you a background, I'm in my, my kind of my mid-30s, mid to late 30s, and I can see a huge difference or quite a big difference between how I traveled when I was younger, how I'm traveling now, and thinking about how my parents would travel. And I grew up uh, in a military family and I lived over, all over the US. I lived in the West Coast, the South, the East Coast, and even in Hawaii. So traveling for me was pretty common. Um, you could almost say normal. I always looked at it as an opportunity to reinvent myself. And so I remember when I was living in Las Vegas for quite a long time and I hadn't traveled, um, it started getting kind of strange. I was like, man, you know, I'm used to kind of moving around every couple of years. This is very strange. Um, I did uh, do a backpacking trip in Europe after college, and I did uh, gain a lot of experience there just on how people travel. And the, one of the things I did learn is that uh, traveling for, especially Europeans, is very common. And I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, one of the statistics I wanted to bring up, statistics <laughs> I wanted to bring up, is that up until 2007, according to Forbes magazine, only about 27% of Americans were U.S. Uh, uh, passport holders. So only 27%. Uh, that's shockingly low. And 10 years after 2017, it did increase to 42%. Now, that's quite a leap. Uh, you can almost say it's close to double. However, 
there's some factors at play in that number. Part of the reason is that prior to 2007, uh, as a U.S. citizen, I being one of them, we didn't have as many restrictions when we traveled um, to Canada and Mexico uh, and certain uh, countries in the Caribbean, in addition to some other countries, I think, in South America. We could just use our license and go. And so because of that, there just wasn't a huge need. Uh, because of 9-11, uh, the U.S. Uh, obviously has become a little bit more protective. And to say, is that understatement, of course? And so they enacted a lot of laws requiring passports, uh, traveling outside the country, mainly because you're traveling back into the country as well. And so if you compare us to like Canada, uh, 66% of their citizens have passports. And the, let me check here, the UK, I believe, was the other statistic. Give me one second here. Yeah, the UK is 76% of the people in England, Wales, uh, have a passport. Now, in their defense, <laughs> I'm defending everybody today. In their defense, of course, if you're from Western Europe uh, and Asia and some of those countries, your ability to travel to different countries is a little bit more, is easier. You know, the transportation system is a lot easier with the trains and they're much closer in proximity. So that's a huge benefit. Uh, in the U.S., you know, we have access to driving to uh, Canada and Mexico. So I would say it's fair to say that if you are a young person and you want to travel, uh, traveling and staying somewhere on the other side of the country in the U.S., is also a great opportunity. You know, if you're from the West Coast, go to the East Coast. If you're from the East Coast, go to the West or go to the South. And so you have some experience of different cultures while staying in America. And also, I would say Hawaii, obviously you still have to fly there. But with Hawaii, you know, it's still a little bit of traveling. I went to the University of Hawaii Manoa for a summer session for six weeks, and I gained a lot of insight of the Hawaiian culture and just living, uh, you know, it, at that point I was 19, so living away from home, things like that. And it was a great experience. And I got some, I got some university credit, I think. I did spend a lot of time not going to class, though, just to, to be honest. So when I'm traveling, and I'm going to give you kind of my point of view of traveling when I was in my 20s, now in my 30s, and kind of where this came from when I was thinking about this topic, because I was thinking actually my parents, and in my 20s, you're just, you're just really flexible. You're just, I, can, I was sleeping on boats and trains uh, and hostels, and I could sleep anywhere. I could sleep on the street, and I could eat any, anything. You know, I was eating terrible food. When I when I was when I wanted to when I say terrible food I mean like processed food like McDonald's and stuff like that, and could run on very very little sleep, and I look back at that month backpacking Europe as one of the one of the best experiences of my life, uh, having the opportunity to do it with a very close friend of mine. I recently went to his wedding, and we think very fondly of that trip, and uh, it's one of the last trips I did where. Uh, Digital cameras were still were not yet mainstream, so I have a photo album, and I actually used that photo album to impress people, or or impress girls, whoever you, whoever you want to 
say, but I was, you know, I have this photo album. Let me show this photo album. It went, eventually, it just got kind of boring because, you know, it was so long ago. So, you know, the, the young people in Western Europe, they have the gap year, so they're accustomed to it. They spend a uh, year after high school before they go to college, and they travel. It's definitely something that uh, I would definitely recommend to U.S. citizens. And I know the initial concern would be maybe money or uh, money or, um, you know, not going alone. And those are valid, those are valid uh, concerns. So, you know, maybe you don't travel for a year. Maybe you, you're still living with your parents and you work for a long time. You know, you work before high school's over, you work the summer, and then you saved a little bit of money so you could travel for a few months. You know, you don't need a lot of money when you're traveling to Asia or Southeast Asia. You can get by, especially as a young person, sub thousand a month, you know, under a thousand. And if you sign up for like workaways or word packers or woofing, those are all volunteer sites where you can go and stay at a hostel for free as long as you uh, volunteer there. And volunteer there means maybe cleaning, maybe reception, maybe giving uh, guests tours of the of the city, and that's a really way, a great way of extending your travels as a young person that doesn't have a lot of money. So that barrier to entry, it, technology has softened it. Um, you could even go as far as there is trusted house sitters, which I know of some friends do. And they love it. They'll, they try to find the ones that you can stay the longest. So they actually stayed, I think, five weeks in Japan. And Trusted House Sitters is basically uh, you um, house sit for people. all over. You can do it all over the world. And the majority of the time is they want you to watch like a pet of theirs. So, you know, there's some opportunities there in terms of, uh, you know, a low-cost way of traveling. Now, let's get back to my main argument for traveling now versus traveling later. And the big difference is your tolerance level uh, and and the way you live starts kind of invading your ability to enjoy travel as you get older. And I'll unpack that a little bit. It sounds a little strange. I know I'm, I was struggling for, for that description. So I talked about earlier when I was in my 20s, we could go and sleep on the bench. I don't care. I, I literally slept on a, on a metal floor of a boat uh, heading from Athens to Eos. I mean, I didn't like it, but I was fine. I mean, ultimately, it was, Eos is a really fun island. But now, you know, I find myself uh, staying. I stay in private rooms at hostels because I'll stay in hostels and I'll stay in dorms on occasion. But it is, it is a struggle sometimes to sleep. Uh, you know, people come in all times of the night and it can be difficult. People change the temperature in the room and that can be challenging. And so, uh, you know, obviously I put myself in those positions. If you're an older person, you could just stay in a hotel. But I always feel like, you know, then if you're traveling alone or even if you're traveling as a couple or with a friend, you're not really getting exposed to much. You know, a lot of the things, the fun adventures I have is, you know, walking into a hostel and somebody, you know, handing me a beer and talking about, 
you know, where they're from and sitting down and listening to them and hearing their stories and then getting recommendations on where they want to go and, you know, being invited to go do things. You know, you, you check in and it's like, hey, we're going to go do this today. We're going to go see this temple. You want to come? And you're like, sure, absolutely. And so there's, um, there's some ease to your travel. So as you get older, you know, things just, you know, you, you, you need a, a lot more fancier things sometimes. I, I have a friend here in Bali and she, uh, she recognizes, you know, hey, I could live, we could live in a guest house, um, you know, in Bali, just to give you an example. And this is for Southeast Asia. The types of living situations vary. I mean, you could you could definitely, if you wanted to shoestring it, you could live in a you could live at a hostel if you wanted to. <laughs> I don't recommend it, but people do, and they just have a bed and they live at the dorm. Um, and then you can live in a guest house, which I've done, and now I'm at a villa. But villas are a little bit pricier, and they ask for more long term. They're not really for like nightly or or um, guests, they want more of a commitment, and they can get up there in price. Uh, mine, my the cost of this place is equitable to when I was staying at a guest house, so it isn't that big of a difference. But I would say that's a rarity. Usually, it's going to be a lot more. So, so you have that as well. And I'm checking my notes here to kind of move us along. So, and oh. So me personally now, and it being 2019, and uh, we all know we're trying to work on our health and resolutions. I, I don't really believe in resolutions too much. I believe in just having better habits. So I'm always like, what better habits am I going to try to accomplish this year? Uh, what I uh, implore you to is to have to be more timely, you know, to show up on time or early. I think it shows a lot of respect and kindness to whoever you're meeting because oftentimes we think that it'll take us, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to get there, but only if it's, there's no traffic, we had every green light and we speed and you shouldn't put yourself in that kind of situation. You should just be there on time. So there's no concerns, but uh, I'm also trying to eat healthy because I'm leaving Bali here in a few weeks uh, headed to the Philippines where I won't be uh, close to my gym, which I go to pretty much daily. It's one of the things I really like. So having said that, uh, that is another marker or proof that as you get older, you just become a little bit more routine-based. Like I actually love living at this villa. I love waking up, talking, having a nice coffee with one of my villa mates. I have four other ones. We sit and have coffee talk about our plans, kind of have a moment to ourselves, and then start the day. And I know what I'm doing. I know that I'm going to go to the co-working space dojo. I know that I'm going to Odyssey Movement to go to the gym. I know these things. And these don't exist uh, when you're traveling fast, when you're just when you're just trying to see places. The other big thing is your energy levels. So it, like I said earlier, your game for everything, you're really, really flexible. As you get older, you start kind of noticing your energy levels a lot more. You notice when, for me personally, I'm definitely more on it in the morning. And I have no idea why I'm recording this in the afternoon when I'm tired. But 
uh, you wake up, and for me, I just I, c- I can wake up at four. I mean, five o'clock, six, 6 a.m. and just get this day started and continue going. And I start slowing down, kind of in the evenings. And and so, your what happens with that, and and the reason why I bring it up is that you're not going to be as excited sometimes as you get older when you know that s- there's a sunrise hike. I did the sunrise hike here in um, Mount Bator. We had to wake up at one and get picked up at two and start hiking at four for two hours. And I did it, and I'm glad I did it, but I can tell you if I'm 65 years old, that wasn't. that's probably not going to happen. And I'm not saying a 65-year-old person can't do it. I can just tell you it just isn't as appealing in my in my point of view uh, when you when you're getting up there in age to put yourself on that in that kind of stress just because um, just like that hike and many things uh, an example would be like Angkor Wat and Siem Reap Angkor Wat is there's beautiful temples in Angkor Wat in Siem Reap in Cambodia but there is no no real safety standards and you see that a- across the board in Southeast Asia and other parts of the world and you know, I'd be concerned if my parents showed up in Angkor Wat, to be honest. If they showed up and tried to walk it, I just couldn't believe my mom doing it, to be honest. And so what ends up happening is you start limiting limiting opportunities. You know, you as you get older, um, let's, let's talk about as you get older, the reality is, uh, like I said, you get less energy, but also life, you know, life happens. And Travel is part of life for me, but also relationships happen. Um, you could potentially get married if, if you wanted to or be in a really committed relationship and that person might not want to travel. You could have kids and, you, you know, there's a quite a few people um, like the Bucketless family and uh, the Curious Georgia. They're, they're definitely people that create content that have kids, the retired toddlers uh, that travel, but they're, I would have to imagine that they're in the minority of the people. And it's very impressive. Uh, honestly, I don't know if I could do it. Uh, you know, could just be, just, be, you know, and I'm talking, I have, I have no uh, experience in having kids. So I'm just saying that my only experience is that when I travel and there's kids crying on the plane and I just feel terrible. First, I can't get any rest or sleep uh, because the kid's crying, and then you just feel bad for the parent because they know, they know, and they're trying their best. You know, they're they're doing everything they can to get the baby to to stop, and unfortunately, uh, sometimes they just don't. And I remember my f- one of my f- first long haul flights, the whole twelve hours that that kid was was making some sort of noise, so you start limiting the places you can go and you also start limiting the experiences you can take because as you get older you're more apt to do really really um organized super organized tours i mean i do tours that are organized but there's definitely free days and there's definitely things we can do but as you get older you're you might do a cruise ship to alaska or the caribbean so you only have that time off and every I guess what I'm trying to get to the point of is that everything is kind of curated for optimal experience 
but it's not a it's not a genuine or authentic one. It's just an experience that was created because you're there. You know, they wanna they usually tend to hide some of the negatives and maybe maybe that's something you don't want to see. So those tours might be might be good for you. But if you're looking for like a local experience, as a young person, you could, you know, volunteer at someone's farm and help them on their farm and then get to know that family. Or as a young person or a younger person, you could be an, uh, a, a nanny or a babysitter for a family and, and get to know and live in a different country. And sometimes those, those opportunities are paid and you get to experience a different culture. Those don't exist when you're uh, older. And I, I don't imagine when you're in your retirement age, you're really interested in watching kids. Unless you love kids, then that's great. If not, you could always do trusted house sitters. I don't think there's really an age limit. And if you're older, they might even like you even more. So uh, as we continue here, so so that's my defense of traveling now versus waiting until you're older. There's, there's so many more reasons I can go on for hours because I sell the idea of travel to everybody. I'm around. You should go here. You should come to Bali. Come visit me. Let's travel together. And there's always going to be, I would say, reasons not to do it. And like I said earlier, you don't have the money. You don't have somebody to go with you. If you don't have somebody to go with you, because I didn't answer that particular question, if you don't have somebody to go with you, uh, go on Tour Radar and find an organized tour that's relatively flexible. And also, if you're going to do um, like a month somewhere, just do a, like a tour in the beginning of it so you kind of have um, your bearings and then you can kind of go on with those people later. Uh, but there's always going to be that opportunity there now when it's easier versus when you buy a house and have you know car debt and U.S. citizens are known for having so much um, carrying so much debt and stuff like that. So, you know, there, those are the reasons too. And if you're, if you're listening to this and you know somebody that's going to college or about to, or in college, or all of the above, <laughs> um, really encourage them. And I, and I wish I had done it too. I wish I did that was the study abroad programs. They can be, um, they're so amazing. And I meet exchange students all the time from different countries and I can tell you that you know it, it really is a huge impact on them I met a guy named Dan in uh, Hong Kong I know his name because I remember his name because my dad's name is Dan and he is Filipino by by um, like his parents are Filipino and they uh, immigrated to Sweden and he went to Hong Kong for an exchange he went to the university there in Hong Kong, which I found out was very common uh, for Scandinavians, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I could tell you that my scope of exchange uh, was like Spain or Mexico uh, when I was in college. I, I, or there was that semester at sea, which is really overpriced, but I would still recommend it. So that's where you do a semester on a literally on a cruise ship and just go to different ports. And all the courses are, all the classes are taken on the cruise ship. But he went to Hong Kong, had a great experience, went back to Sweden, 
graduated and then recently has has moved back to Hong Kong to find a job. And he, he does he does have marketable skills. Um, I th- I'd like to say something to do with IT, maybe a programmer, but they're they're definitely marketable skills that can be utilized in Hong Kong. And I could it's it just felt to me that he he was more comfortable in Hong Kong being of Asian descent. And, um, you know, Scandinavian girls are beautiful and Scandinavia has beautiful people, men and women, uh, but they're definitely more homogeneous than other places of the world. And so when you go to places like Hong Kong, uh, which is arguably like, uh, you know, a huge melting pot. I love Hong Kong. Um, You have maybe you feel more comfortable. And so it opens up other opportunities, too. So. Just because you go somewhere doesn't mean you have to stay. And some piece of advice that I got from an old colleague was that if you want to go somewhere and you're worried it's not going to be good, don't worry it's not going to be good. Because keep in mind, you don't have to go back. You're not getting married to that place. And you learn something. Because you don't really fail. You just learn. The only time you ever fail is if you quit. And as long as you don't quit, you'll be in good shape. So there is my argument for traveling now before retirement. And if you guys think of any other reasons why you shouldn't now, please let me know. I'd like to hear those reasons. And then I'll make a second second podcast episode talking about overcoming those objections. I love going uh, overcoming objections because as a person who did sales that was kind of my job so again this is the marvin chronicles thanks for listening uh, we are live on uh, apple podcast stitcher and google play so please subscribe i do also have a youtube channel which is which is only short less than 10 minute clips so if you're interested that is also called marvin chronicles And I'm going to start posting um, the audio podcast on the YouTube channel, but it'll definitely be much more delayed. So the new episodes will always be here um, wherever you listen to podcasts. So I hope you're having a great day. And remember, uh, I put some uh, affiliate links for below if you're interested in the type of equipment I use. And uh, I hope you have a great day. And until next time, this is Marvin. Take care. Bye.